I'm so glad you joined us. I'm Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and this is our podcast. Today is Basic Training Part 3. We're going to look at what Scripture calls the strong man. I think this will encourage you, strengthen you, and bless you. And remember, if you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you. So we're in our series, Basic Training. This is uh, week three. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter three is kind of where we're going to start this morning and look at, and also Colossians chapter one. So Mark chapter three and Colossians chapter one. And of course, you can follow along with us on um, the Version Bible app. The notes are there. And also, if you got the fill in the blank and notebooks, there are notebooks available. Um, there is a, uh, we just asked for a love offering to cover the cost of those. But uh, let's get started this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your work today, for your presence, Lord. And um, just ask you that our hearts be ready. Lord, prepared to receive your word, good soil, that what is planted will grow 30, 60, 100 times that which is sown. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We can come down just a touch in this monitor right here. Um, years ago, years ago, I think Shaley was uh, not even a year old yet. We went on to uh, a missions trip. Um, to Chiapas, I think that was the one she was really little. There was a couple of those went to El Salvador, but uh, I, that trip to Chiapas, if you know where Chiapas is, it's a last, it's kind of, it's the last state of Mexico down down south, and um, it was just a great trip. And uh, actually, is that the trip that Eric went on? Went that Eric go? Eric Brown went on with that trip, and um, there was quite a few. It was an amazing time, and um, but we stayed in this. It was, they called it a boys club, which confused me when we got there. I was like, why are we saying a boys club? But it was like a hostel, and, but they were really nice. They weren't that hostile, but uh, that's a dad joke of the day, so you can just remember that one. But uh, when we would stay at night, uh, and I, I didn't know this, but one night I couldn't sleep very well, and I got up, and I was going to go kind of in the, where the breakfast area was, and there was a guy... Um, asleep, they, I mean, they locked us in. I mean, I mean, closed the bars, locked the gates, big old padlocks. And there, they, there was this big, big, big dude with an AK-47. And uh, he was asleep right in front of the door and scared me, scared him. And uh, it, it was quite an experience. And But a, a lot of them you know, they were trying to guard us and, and protect us. And, you know, I was, I was just kind of thinking about that. Uh, I mean, this, this, this strong man, so to speak. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is the strong man. I think we have really a misunderstanding of what it means to bind and loose when it comes to spiritual warfare. And so we're kind of going to go a little bit deeper than what we've been talking about the last few weeks. But I think this will help you, and especially as you engage in spiritual warfare, especially um, uh, in, in, in prayer. I, I was also thinking another time, we were on staff at a church in Amarillo, and our church there was not just in the greatest area. Uh, matter of fact, it was, it was a much rougher area than um, most of any place in Odessa, and we just happened to live right across the street from the church, 
And, um, and it, it, anyway, we had a lot of fun. There was a lot of things that went on. And, but one night, we, we weren't asleep yet, but I remember but somebody was trying to break in our house. They were trying to get in the front door. And, um, and so I pulled my shotgun out, and I don't know if there's a, there's a universal sound that uh, tends to get the attention of somebody that intends to do your house or you harm. And uh, I mean, you heard little feet patter off and, you know, take off running. And, uh, uh, you know, at that moment, I, I was a strong man. But let's, let's look at this passage. Mark chapter 30. We're going to begin. We're going to look at several verses. But I just want to begin at the first of this. Mark chapter 30, beginning in verse 20. And it says, one time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Verse 22, but the teachers of the religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. Now we'll look at verse in Colossians chapter 1. Maybe you flip there in your Bible, Colossians 1.13. We're going to look at this a couple of times through this morning. But at Colossians 1.13 and 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. And I just kind of want to pause right there just for a moment and remind you that once you have been purchased with the blood of Jesus, all that junk you were tied to in the past is broken, is taken care of. And sometimes we have a hard time kind of adjusting mentally what God has paid for, really in the, if I may say, in the spiritual realm. And there's so many promises that really you, you have to apportion it to yourself. You have to, you have to go to the pie, so to speak, and serve yourself by faith what God's word tells us. And God's word says you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. That's what scripture tells us. But here we've been talking and kind of the first thing is very simply is there is the kingdom of God and there is the domain of darkness. There is the, and that's really what we've been talking about in, in some, and you can include the earth in some of that, but there is the kingdom of God and there is the domain of darkness. Now the kingdom of God... What represents the kingdom of God? When you go through scripture, especially well, focusing on the New Testament, things that establish the kingdom of God is salvation, is healing, is deliverance, is peace that surpasses all understanding, is restoration, wholeness, light, freedom, protection. So when, when the people of God get a hold of the things of God, that establishes the kingdom of God here. Now, I want you to process this a moment, okay? Because there's two kingdoms, two dominions that are at war against one another. Now, one of them has been completely defeated. They just don't fully realize it yet. But when God does, remember last week we talked about the very simplicity of theology. God is good and he does what? He does good things. The enemy's bad, and he does what? 
He does bad things. When, the, when God is working and we see people come into the kingdom saved and set free and, and delivered and chains broken, that's the kingdom of God being established. And the opposite would be, of course, the domain of darkness. What? Confusion, manipulation, bondage, lies, addiction, darkness, comfort, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, deep wounds and hurt that are, are never dealt with or healed. And so those things we tend to see make up the dominion of darkness. I mean, many of us, we were held by that darkness and it took hitting rock bottom before something shifted for us, didn't it? To get our attention. The scripture talks about something about that dominion of darkness, maybe in the fleshly nature form, and that's Galatians 5. You're going to be familiar with this, but um, when you follow the desires of sinful nature, results are clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. All of those things tend to represent what's in the enemy's kingdom. Listen to me. This is kind of what I want to move into because I... I this is where we're going to get into this morning, and I just want to kind of maybe clear up any confusion. And used to, there was really didn't seem to be much debate on this, but more and more it seems like there's more and more of a debate. But I, I just want to define it for you very quickly. Possession is being owned and controlled by an evil spirit. Oppression is being influenced by a demonic spirit. And that's, that's what we're getting into. We're talking about this strong man. And you know by somebody's life whether which kingdom that they're in. And scripturally, there, there we see so many um, instances of possession being owned and controlled by an evil spirit. Oppression being influenced by a demonic spirit. Evil spirits make, when evil spirits make slaves of individuals... That is a place of possession. And I want you to know, I believe that in our modern day today, there is, you, people can still be possessed by the enemy. They can still be possessed by the demonic spirit. And I, I have encountered that many times. And um, I, you know, the first time it ever happened, it, it really just... Uh, um, it, it just really took me off guard. It really, I mean, I was a youth pastor, 21 years old, and a deacon had a word of knowledge. And, he, and I know I've shared this before, but many of you may not have heard this, but I, I mean, we're worshiping, and God was doing a work. It was awesome. And, and the, uh, one of our deacons came up to me, and I don't know why he came up to me, but he came up to me, and he said, he said Pastor Todd, he said, you know, this girl's here. He said, I think that if, you, if she... The Lord told me that if she'll come to the front, that he'll set her free. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go get her. And so I'll walk over there to go get her because I'm going to bring her up to the front. And I kind of get over there, and she goes down on the ground in between two pews. And so I get down on all fours right with her, and she looks up at me and starts growling like a dog. And I was like, that's not the Lord. I mean, I just really, I, I've never had encountered something like this. And so in just that brief moment, I mean, it's those words just rang in my heart. If she goes up front, God will set her free. So I grabbed her. I grabbed her by the hand, and we walked up front. And as soon as she crossed over into the front, 
uh, right past the front pew, the whole building just smelt like sulfur, and she collapsed down on the ground. And God began to set her free. And I, I, I you know, I've grown up in a small church, and I had seen a lot of things, but I had never experienced or seen this. And my pastor was sitting, on, it was on this side, he's sitting on the altar, and I sit next to him, and I'm like, I said, Pastor, I, I think that girl's possessed. He said, yeah, I, I think she is. I, I, this, is no exact, this is no joke. I said, um, so what do we do? He said, there's no we, you started this. <laughs> that's what he told me. And many, many times after that, it was pretty amazing what we seen God do. And I have witnessed and seen firsthand what the enemy can do. But there's something I want you to know this morning is that there's things that the enemy can do. There's way the enemies can influence. The demons can cause physical disease and illness to the human body. That doesn't mean that every disease or sickness is because of something the enemy has done. I mean, some of us, whether it be genetics or maybe lifestyle choices or whatever it may be, but the enemy can bring that. And I, I'll never forget, it was years ago, years ago, and there was a, a young man, matter of fact, now he pastors in the Metroplex, but he was a, he was a, well, he's a, he's a little kid, and uh, my father-in-law was praying for him. This was at youth camp. And the Lord began to speak. He, he dealt with asthma in a, in a very significant way. And my father-in-law really felt he received a word from the Lord and felt that, that asthma was being caused by the oppression. But it, it was the work of the enemy. It was a spirit at work. And he began to bind that spirit of infirmity. And uh, the Lord healed that young man. And this is, I mean, we're talking now probably uh, 30 years ago. And to this date, he has never had an asthma attack. After that moment, and, and just having several a day and being hospitalized, the enemy can cause infirmities. The Bible tells us in Matthew twelve twenty two that a demon possessed man who was blind couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. God can do that. I believe that also demonic powers are what's behind false religions. In 1 Corinthians 10, 20, it tells us, not at all, I'm saying these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. I believe that false religions, the root of that is demonic spirits. I also believe that at the foundation of what we would call spiritism, we talked about this in week one, that psychics, tarot cards, horoscopes, palm readers all of that is a direct result of an open door to demonic influence. And I cannot emphasize that enough. If you're participating in any of that in any way, you are playing with fire and you are opening up doors to the enemy. Acts 13, 8, it tells us that there was a sorceress that has interfered and urged the governor to pay it no attention, Acts 13, 8, so Barnabas and Saul said he was trying to keep the governor from believing that is the work of the enemy. The enemy wants to blind people. 
Remember, one of the greatest taxes of the enemy is, is to make people believe that he didn't exist. Verse 9, Saul, and also known as Paul, was filled with the Spirit. He looked a sorcerer in the eye. Man, wouldn't you love to have seen that? I mean, are you, do you see that in your mind's eye of just Paul, like, looking at this guy? I mean, shh, buddy? Look at the sorcerer right in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and the enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord and the enemy will never stop? Demonic activity, I believe, will only increase the closer we get to the rapture of the church. As we go further in the last days, it's only going to ramp up. And the reason it has to ramp up is so that people will receive the Antichrist. Are you following me? So what does that mean? That means manipulation. That means deception by the enemy is just going to increase witchcraft, immorality, violence, cruelty, mass deception. But the Bible tells us that in the last hour, as you have heard, John 2.18, that Antichrist is coming. And it goes on to say, so now many Antichrists have come and we're talking, this is 90 to 100 A.D. where John is writing this. And he's already saying and the anti, a bunch of antichrists have already come. Not the antichrist, but many people who have a spirit against Christ. So what do we do? First is a realization. Number one is this. That the death and resurrection of Jesus shatters the domain of darkness. I said that the death and resurrection of Jesus, it shatters the domain of darkness. We stand on what Jesus has accomplished through the cross. We, that's, that's our foundation. That's our rock in which we stand on. And remember, we read just a moment ago in Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And it's happened because of that redemption, the forgiveness of our sin. He, Jesus, he shatters it all. The second thing is this. And this is kind of why I started where I started from. Because there is a lot of people that believe and teach that you can be a Christian and possessed by the enemy. I'm going to tell you, Christians cannot be possessed. I've met a couple that may act like it, but they... Christians cannot be possessed. They cannot. I, 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 as I was writing this, I, I remembered a story of a, uh, we were at camp and, you know, there was a, there's, a, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff happen at camp and, um, I, but I, we were praying for students in the altar, you know, and there was some commotion going on and, you know, it, it was nothing unusual to see, but there's like a crowd of people, and most of them were adults and youth pastors, and they're kind of this circle on the ground over here, and we're just praying for people. And my, my father-in-law, he was the district youth director then at, at camp, and he walks over to me. He says, hey, Todd, would you, I, for some reason, he always asks me, and I, you know, it's, it's not, I wasn't like looking for that. Sometimes weird stuff would happen. I'd be like, see ya. I'm, you know, I'm going on this side of the tabernacle. He'd come find me, but he said, would you kind of come see what's going on? So I went over there and, and um, kind of saw them. I mean, boy, they're praying passionate and, 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 and you know, yelling. And I, just so you know that volume does not determine anointing. Um, 
and preaching or praying. There's nothing wrong with volume, but it doesn't determine anointing anyway. So they're praying, and, and I just really felt impressed with the Lord that this kid was, I mean, they're trying to cast a devil out of this kid. And I was like, I, I just really felt through discernment that he, he wouldn't possess. And so I kind of I tried to be real polite, and I kind of parted the wise, hey, guys, you mind if I talk to him for a minute? And kind of got him to ease up, you know, and spread him out. And so I kind of got on the floor with this kid, and I said, hey, I, just asked, I said, are you, what's going on? He's like, these guys are laying on me, and I can't breathe. It's like he, he wouldn't possess, he, he couldn't breathe, you know. That, we got to be very, very discerning. Listen to me. If you have been blood-bought by Jesus, the only spirit you are possessed with is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.15, what harmony can there between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they'll be my people. But demons can influence the way that we act, the way that we think, and that happens through oppression. That's that demonic influence of thoughts and emotions and, and actions. And listen to me. There may be times or seasons in your life that you can be under immense warfare, may not even fully realize it. I, one time when we were, we were pastoring, our first pastorate, and we the, we live in the Parsons is right next door to the church, and we had the adult Sunday school class in our living room because we didn't have a whole lot of room in the church, and there was this guy leading that, and um, me and Angelo, man, we went through this season. It was just like we were just, I mean, which is really not our nature, but we were just bickering, and just, I mean, it wasn't like knock down drag outs. It was just a lot of this just uneasiness and, and, and bickering and, and all of this stuff, and and I, I really felt two things. One, I felt some of it had to do with that Sunday school class, but I also felt that there was, some, there was a witch casting curses on us. This is what I really felt from the Lord. And so I, I went to the sanctuary, and I was praying, and that's where God spoke to me. And I went back over to Angela at the house. I said, listen, I said, I, I, I'm just not saying this as an excuse, but this is something I, I really believe the enemy is attacking us, and we, we need to pray and and so we did, and it was very interesting. The next Sunday, this happened during the week, that next Sunday we had some guests in our church. And so we're sitting there worshiping, and Angela's leading worship, and you know I'm on the front pew where I always was, and uh, somebody in the church walks over to me as we're worshiping, and they said, Pastor, they said, well, we got to tell you something. I was like, what? You know, There's a witch in here. I was like, what do you mean there's a witch? Yeah, this lady on the back row, I mean, everybody in town knows that this lady is a practicing witch. And I was like, oh, I was like, God's got this. I mean, how interesting the week, the same week that I felt the Lord speak this to me, here she is in our service. And here, here's what was so awesome. So I, we preached, I mean, I, I didn't let it phase us or anything. We already had realized and God had shown us a light and, you know, the enemy's a defeated foe. And so I'm preaching, give an altar call, and she's with her husband, 
And so I give the altar call to salvation, and guess who responds to salvation? Her husband came forward for salvation. You want to make a witch mad. I mean, it was powerful. It was so awesome. I'm going to tell you that the enemy, he can influence. But number three is this, is that Jesus gives us authority over the power of the enemy. Jesus gives us authority over the power of the enemy. And this is a very important scripture. Understand Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Has anybody ever received a gift? Anybody ever? ever? I want, Corbin, would you help me a second? Everybody give it up for Corbin. Corbin's a good dude. So Corbin, here's the deal. How would you like 20 bucks? You, I'm not asking you to do anything. How, would you like 20 bucks? There you go. Yeah, what do we do? Oh, gear shift, is that what we oh, Yeah. Yeah. Now, what can Corbin do with that 20 bucks? Yeah, you, you can go sit down. You're good. That's all I needed. He's like, there's a trick somewhere. There's something fixing to happen. <laughs> He's like, I know you too well, PT. What, what can Corbin do with that 20 bucks? What? He can do with that 20. Why? Because it's his. Because I gave it. So it's no longer mine. It is his. Now, the authority of Jesus, that's what, that's what stands behind that 20 bucks. And what Jesus has done, he has given us all what? All authority and all power, and he's given it to you for you to use. But he's the power behind that. He's, and, and how does all that work? I, I try to make it as simple as I can, is that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. And we get to benefit from it. Are you following me? He's given you all authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. That is, that, that is you going to the, this, this key lime pie the Lord has made for you. And you're just getting, man, that key lime pie is so good. And you put in that, that, well, I use a fork, but, you know, if you're fancy, I guess you have that serving thing. What, that looks like a pie. What is that called? I don't know what that is. A pie server, is that what it is? Is that, that, that technical? And so you, you put that on your plate, and now you get to partake of what the Lord has given you. You have power and authority over the enemy. It is the authority that Jesus, that he breaks the enemy's power, and you are the one on earth that he moves through. You are the vessel in which the power of God can be at work in this world around us. Even, yes, this fallen world. He's given you authority. It's not just your strength, your power. It's what he has given us. If I were to go up to I-20 
And I were to go stand in the middle of I-20, and I would stand there and hold my hand out. I mean, would anybody think that's effective at all? It probably wouldn't be very effective. It don't matter if you're in your car and you're driving the speed limit. It's, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, but if the DPS shows up on the scene and begins to shine the lights, what happens? What can they do? They can, they can block it all off. I mean, that's, that's when the authority shows up, and God has given us that authority. And what we have to realize is that the work that God is doing on the inside of us, the promise is this. You don't have it in, the, in your notes, but it's John 7, 37 and 38, and it tells us something. It says, out of our inmost being shall flow rivers, plural rivers, streams of living water. God is using you as the vessel to bring life to those in darkness around you. God is using you as a vessel to pour out and to bring healing to those that need healing, to bring salvation to those that need salvation, that, that those that need peace. God is going to use you to be that agent full of his spirit to impact the world around you. That is pretty good. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the residing place of the Spirit of God, the host of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Mark chapter 3 and verse 27. And it gives us a very simple description. But no one can enter a strong man's house. This is in the you know, we began in verse uh, earlier of our text. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless what? He first binds up the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. And so there is something being said. Remember, we say this all the time. We try to set up, you know, that we know whenever Jesus said something, whenever something that was written in Scripture, we have to understand through that time, right? Does that make sense? So when Jesus said this here in the first century, when he said that the strong man has to be bound, instantly people knew what he was talking about. Because people back then in the first century, especially if they had any kind of, of wealth or, or status, they tended to have their own small armies that lived around them and, and protected them. Kind of like that guy in Chiapas with his AK-47 in front of that door. And so Jesus pictured Satan as this wealthy man and the demons as his servants. And the possessions he has, this is what we understand. Anything the enemy has, he has it because he stole it. Anything the enemy has, he has because he stole it. His house is this realm of evil where there is sickness and possessions and death and, and all that he stole from us. And, the, and what Jesus is telling us, think, I mean, process this. He's saying a man has to enter the house and bind the strong man. And then he can plunder the house. But here's the deal. Is that Jesus has already done that. Somebody entering the house and binding him, Jesus has already done that. So what do we first do? We first bind the strong man. And the only way it works for us to bind the strong man is understanding what we're doing is announcing what Jesus has already done. 
Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I love this verse. Verse 15, in this way, he, everybody say disarmed. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, the enemy thought he was bringing shame to Jesus, being on that cross, naked, whipped, beaten. But what was really happening in the spiritual is that Jesus was shaming the enemy and stripping him of all of his weapons. And it brought us victory. The only way the possessions of what the enemy has stolen can be carried off is understanding that Christ has done the work. That he's bound up. He's tied up the strong man. And what the enemy wants you to believe, that he's loud and proud and has all of this authority and, and, and can do a lot of these things. And the only power that he has is what we have allowed him to have. I, you know, I meant to bring some sunglasses. Anybody got some sunglasses? Who's got sunglasses? Somebody in the house don't have any sunglasses? Nobody? What kind of people? Rainy day, you don't have sunglasses? You know, if, you, if I had sunglasses on, you know, everything I perceive, everything I see is going to, or, you know, eyeglasses tend to change the way we see things, see things more clearly. But if I have, you know, everybody's heard the term, maybe, you know, the rose-colored, you know, eyeglasses. Oh, yeah, oh. Come on, man, Leo, of course. By the way, 88 trumps 80. Some of you just, you didn't even know what I was talking about. So we go through, oh, I like these. Yeah. So a lot of times what we happens in life, and this is the way the enemy influences us. And so everything I look at, I'm looking at through what? I'm looking at through these lenses. And so if there are strongholds or the enemy's oppression in my life, you know what tends to happen is I see everything through this lens. And so if I have bitterness, how do I see everything? Are you following me? If I see everything through offense, how do I see everything? If I see everything through unforgiveness, how do I see everything? Are you following me? And that's where the enemy brings influence into our life. But we have to remember that Jesus has bound the strong man. And so we don't see through that lens anymore. I wish I had my other glasses. But that, if I were to have some these are other glasses. But we've been taken out of the kingdom domain of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. Now we see things... Through the blood of Jesus. And what he's paid for us and what he's given us. And so I believe you can bind infirmities. You, what can be bound as barriers and circumstance. The second thing is this. A storm. He tells us you have to enter the house. You have to enter the house. Matter of fact, Luke eleven twenty, Storm the enemy's territory is the point. But Luke eleven twenty. But I, if I'm casting out demons by the power, this is the same instance, but in the book of Luke instead of the book of Mark. But it says something different to us. Then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. See, we, that's what we've talked about, right? But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. 
For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Verse 22, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Man, that's a good verse. That's a good passage. And so, yes, there is a place we have to make a stand. That is the power of even Matthew chapter 16, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God. The enemy cannot hold back what is rightfully yours. The enemy cannot hold back what's rightfully yours. It may look like it's locked up. It may, he may look like a powerful foe, but he has been defeated. And not only that, he's already bound up and gagged. There's nothing that he can do for us to receive what's rightfully ours. The last thing is this, is that we take back the devil, what the devil possesses. Take back what the devil possesses. Acts 26, 18 tells us to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins by placing on them those who are sanctified by faith in me. With the verse we've kind of shared every single week, if you haven't noticed, is 1 John 3, 8, and it tells us the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Is there are times, it, it really takes, when, when there is significant spiritual battle going on, it really takes discernment, the leading of the Holy Spirit, speaking direction, wisdom, and knowledge to us. And the Lord many times surrounds us with somebody, maybe speaks a word of knowledge to us or Whatever, I mean, it's a God thing that only God can do. And, and probably many of us at some point have been in some kind of battle of that place. But I'm going to tell you there's so many times that we just get, whether we get tired or uh, we, get, we get weak, we, whatever the case is. And really what we need is just a, a renewing an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was, uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said it. It's not as one of those guys that, you know, um, but he said, I, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me every day because I leak. And, that, and that's such a, a simple but true statement. As you go through this life, it, it, it takes it out of us. It draws it out of us. But the only way we'll ever have that continual flow, the streams of living water, the streams of waters that will never fail like Isaiah tells us about, is through that constant infilling and work of the Holy Spirit. Derek said something this morning, um, even during communion, about whether we feel or not feel the presence of the Lord, and that sometimes it's just a step of faith. And I'm going to tell you that a lot of times it's just a step of faith. Just because I don't feel, have the goosebump or or you know the, the hair raising at the back of my neck or whatever it may be, it doesn't mean that God is not there. Matter of fact, we know from Scripture, His promises that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we want to ask the Lord just to renew us and to fill us in the name of Jesus. I want to ask you to stand this morning. Don't forget your glasses, Leo. Once again, thanks for joining us for our podcast. If you would, please like and share to your favorite platform. We'd greatly appreciate it. If you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. And if you're ever in the area, we would love to meet you in person. God bless you.